This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand, fellas. You jumped up and... Austin Nate, who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm. I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I waxed poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello to Lombard's 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I got got it. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta. Time will get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific. No one cares about Central Time. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampsToCant.com. That's Matt Bruning. That's Austin Nason. I'm Felix Sharp on a classic version of tonight's show. The Elite 11 field is set. What player is going to be a, quote, superstar as a freshman? And we give another uh, we give away another listener league entry. But we start with Julio Jones is now a Titan after Tennessee sends a second round pick to Atlanta for the future Hall of Famer. Matt, what does this trade mean? And does it matter at all for Tennessee's uh, competition in the AFC with Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've really improved their offense. If you're just looking at it from an NFL perspective, not even looking at it from a fantasy side, we all know that they like to uh, lean on Derrick Henry to be the main ball carrier. Their dude is an absolute stud. And they had A.J. Brown and obviously Corey Davis. You know, apologies to Nick Whalen in case you ever watch this. Corey Davis is good, but he's not as good as Julio Jones. Having A.J. Brown and now Julio Jones on the outside, you cannot stack the box against Derrick Henry. I mean, A.J. Brown had a phenomenal season last year going up against some of the top cornerbacks in the league. Is their number one. Now you bring in a guy like Julio Jones, even if their top cornerback is facing A.J. Brown, who tends to win those matchups at times. I think it's fair to say Julio Jones is much better than Corey Davis. And going up against that second cornerback, you're going to have to try and double cover one of those guys at time or bracket coverage over those guys. You're not going to be able to stack the box against Derrick Henry. So I think it allows them to open things up um, instead of just relying on the run. And it makes the defenses now have to plan for another weapon on that offense besides Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm hyped to see Anthony Ferkser go off now with uh, the coverage not getting rolled his direction anymore. You know, just really hyped for that. You know, that's, uh, that's that, what fancy Twitter thinks is going to happen. So every once in a while, you just hear you hear like one of those common takes like that, and you just, I, I can't follow that thread. I don't know where it starts. I don't know where it ends. I can't follow that one. <laughs> I mean, the the formula for Tennessee to beat Kansas City has to be run the ball and play defense. And I just don't know if you can play enough defense against Kansas City to win. I mean, you got to feel I mean, I know that they beat him last year, but it still feels like you got to score 35-40 to beat Kansas City and we're asking Ryan Tannehill to beat Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I I, I see. I disagree with that. Go back to the AFC Championship. Now, granted, Mahomes did get knocked out. I think it was right before halftime with the the Browns, and where he had the the hit neck kind of the, the chokehold thing, whatever. It didn't actually give him a concussion. But if you actually go back and look at that game, 
the Browns were in that game the entire game before that. They were actually limiting. No, no, I'm being, I'm being serious here. Here we they go. They were limiting, limiting Patrick Mahomes to field goals, not touchdowns. No one was talking about the Browns. Like I know. Was- let me finish. I'm getting to that point. If the Browns defense could do that last year, which I think we can all admit was not a great defense last year, why can't the Titans defense do that now this year? That was my point. Y'all just shit on it because I'm talking about the Browns. I'm trying to get it to my overall point because they were a contender last year were able to actually play good defense against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Titans, while their secondary does scare me some, they don't have to completely shut down the Chiefs offense. If they can keep it to within a score, adding a guy like Julio now gives them that added extra weapon to put them over the top. If it's a three-point game late in the game and now you have A.J. Brown – Anthony Ferkser and Julio Jones that you can throw the ball to. Exactly. That is a that is more dangerous than before when you just had if you were the Kansas City Chiefs defense focusing on Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. I, you know, the one thing that scares me about Kansas City is their offensive line is still bad. I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes there. Uh, no, they signed they signed a ton they signed, they, they signed a ton yeah, of good guys. They this did the entire offensive line oh, this offseason. It's actually good now, unfortunately. Like what was it? Baltimore sent their their um the oh, young that's guy right. yeah. to him for Orlando. why Baltimore would do that. That's like trading with the Browns, you fucking idiots. So yeah, yeah they, they signed sent them. I can't remember who it was, Tooney, right? Orlando Brown yeah, and Tooney. They, are those the two yeah, guys? Brown. There? That's who it was. Brown. Yeah. Plus they bring back the doctor. Yeah. Whatever his name is, Cardiff for Car- I forget what his Louis name is. He has Cardiff. like a really long yeah something like that. Yeah. Well, let's He's let's K. talk about. I mean, Atlanta is is Matt Ryan. I kind of think that he's still a QB one, given that the the way defense is played in that division, and they, he has got Calvin Ridley, he's got Kyle Pitts. I'm not shying away from Matt Ryan um, in, in any format. Are you all just because he, Julio's gone? I, I'm not shying away from him. I don't. I wasn't buying Matt Ryan before this either. He seems like the kind of guy that that when the end comes for him, it's just off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> like did he just like I don't I don't even necessarily know how to like quantitatively like explain that, but he just seems like one of those guys that you know one year he's going to put up like forty five hundred yards and thirty two touchdowns, and the next year he's going to put up like twenty seven hundred and have like a one to one touchdown interception ratio. Like that, he just seems like one of those guys to me, and I don't know when that's going to be. Um, I say that as I drafted him in the sixteen team startup that we're doing right now, um, but. But I, I think for this year he's still a QB one because I don't that defense is very poor. They're still and they're not going to run the ball all ton. No, they have Mike yeah. Davis. Right, right. They're not they're not going to run the ball. So I'm I'm fine with uh with 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 Matt Ryan. So Julio Jones is 32. There's an interesting history of you know comparable. There's nobody really comparable to Julio Jones. But just listen to these debuts of wide receivers switching teams at 30 plus years old and it gives me confidence in Julio Jones. Brandon Marshall from from Chicago to New York, debut with New York at 31 years old. In that season he had 109 receptions, 1502 yards and 14 receptions. And I think that was with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Randy Moss from Oakland to New England at 30 years old. Um, 98, 1,493 yards, tw- the record-setting season. That, that's when they went undefeated, 23 touchdowns. And then Jerry Rice, Jerry, Jerry Rice had a Hall of Fame career, like from age 33 to 43. He went to San Francisco at age 39, put up 83, 1,139 yards in, in, in nine touchdowns at age 39. I think Julio is going to be fine. Just fine, um, and probably, and he could even be a wide receiver too uh, this year with Tannehill throwing him the ball. Our own Matthew Fox uh, wrote about the trade, and he says in 2020, Tannehill threw the ball 481 times. He figures to throw at least 500 this year, and as many as 550 with the additional regular season game. Even with Brown seeing uh, AJ Brown seeing an e- increase in targets to 150, and tight end Anthony First, sir who saw 53 targets in 2020 getting a bump, uh, Julio could easily see 100 to 150 targets without the Titans changing their passing rate in 2021. And that makes sense to me because Tennessee could be a team like um, uh, like uh, Minnesota, where the where the targets are concentrated. Well, when 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 St- Stephon Diggs was there, it was there, the targets are concentrated into two 
just really two two players, and it doesn't matter that they have a lower pot passing volume if if two players are getting getting the bulk of uh, the targets. So I still like I still like Julio. Check out that article from Matthew Fox uh, on campuscan.com. You right. want to hear you want to hear something spicy that I don't think I've heard anybody claim at least not that I've seen so far on Hot Take Twitter. This year, assuming no injury, AJ Brown and Julio Jones are both wide receiver ones for fantasy. Yeah, purposes. I, I, I I'm like calling it. it now. Yes, I like it. I like it. So then, what? Then Ryan Tannehill is what is a quarterback He's, one. Then I so think he was I already going to be. I yeah. agree. And so I, I talked about this on the roundtable Monday with Matt Fox and Dennis, which is now a part of Camps to Canton as well. So if you guys didn't hear that, per drop back. There's only one quarterback better than Ryan Tannehill in the past four years in fantasy points per drop back, and that's Lamar Jackson. Like, Ryan Tannehill has been that consistent and that productive the past four years. So adding a guy like Julio, and I agree with what Matt said, if they're not even going to change their passing rate, like, look, again, I, I, I feel bad saying this. I'm not trying to shit on Corey Davis, but adding a guy like Julio opposite of A.J. Brown, I mean, that instantly becomes like one of the better duos if Julio Jones can stay healthy. And, I mean, I, you got to say that about A.J. Brown, too. The past two years, he's had a couple of games he's missed because of injuries as well. But both those two can stay healthy. I think it's fair to say that's one of the most dynamic wide receiver duos in the NFL right now. And you want to talk Ryan about Tan- you want to talk about that Minnesota offense and how you know it's kind of you know we talk about like funnel defenses and like they're kind of a funnel offense where they have like two guys that they pass to and that's it. If assuming Tennessee's the same thing, Kirk Cousins has been either a QB one or like yeah. at worst QB thirteen, QB fourteen every yeah. year except for one since twenty fifteen. So yeah, it's been definitely top 10 doable. most of the time. I think yes. it was you who talked about he's been top 10 most of the time. And you don't think that when you no. talk about Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And, and he's even less of a like Tannehill's not a rushing threat anymore, even though he's a pretty good athlete for the position, but he's more of a rushing threat than Kirk Cousins is. So yeah. Uh Jarek, Jarek Backus, who's the behind the scenes data dude at campustant.com. He drafted Ryan Tannehill in a draft. Uh, in the GM league, and it and you know, anytime anytime Jarek does something because it's it it's like all right, let me let me pay attention to what to what Jarek you know, is doing because he. It's funny because when he did that, someone shit on him on Twitter about that too. And now look at it; that's starting to look like a brilliant pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with Jarek. I don't try to question Jarek too too much. All right, a couple of housekeeping issues before we move forward. Um, we've got this. And Bruning, hold it up for the audience that's actually watching. You should be watching this live uh, on the YouTube page. We've got the Javante Williams signed jersey. We've got 58 reviews on iTunes. Get us to 60. Get us to 60, and we will give this We will give this thing away. We need two more reviews. Um, and we just want to say thank you to the audience. We've recently crossed a threshold that – I mean, nobody would have anticipated we've gotten to this fast. I mean, we're not even a year into this podcast, but we do do it every Wednesday night, um, rain, sleet, or shine. And so, Bruning, I mean, read read one of the reviews that has been left for us. Uh, the people have been really kind to us. All right, so this is from – Scuba Chew? <laughs> I'm assuming it's Scuba Chew. Uh, I, why you had to give me the one that's hard to pronounce, I don't understand because I'm not good with that. Uh, and he gave us five stars. Pure Fire. This is the only pod I fiend for a new episode. These guys all seem to be down to earth with vast amounts of knowledge on Debbie. The absolute best part is that they don't always agree. So it's not the hive mind telling you the same thing. They bring up facts and opinions to support their arguments. Great show, and whoever dropped that one star should be ashamed of themselves. Keep it up. I will say on the one star thing, I'm not going to shame anybody for one star because I'm pretty sure I know who did that. But it was I will say, I know that asshole. Freaking Please Colin. give us something because my wife continually looks at this jersey sitting on my work table and gets pissed every time knowing how much money I spent on it. I would really appreciate if you guys could get this out of here so I can have sex again. I'll just throw that out there. So let's make it happen. <laughs> I. The one star thing, I was on somebody's podcast page to give them a review, and I accidentally, like, I just brushed my phone, and it gave them a one star. Like, I had already rated rated them, and it changed the rating to a one star. So I'm wondering if you can. Always I mean, I want to invest. It. That could be. 
yeah, you can always change it, but I'm wondering if that's what's ha- what happened and somebody just didn't yeah. realize that they gave us a one star. I mean, I think it's better than a one star podcast. Listen, maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm paranoid individual as it is, but I'm pretty sure I know who did it, and I don't think they did it on accident. That is what it is. You can all be petty at times, right? Go ahead, Austin. I was petty on Campus Life this week. In case anybody missed that, go check it out. Uh, I wish Colin, I wish Colin claiming that he listens to this show, and I literally said it verbatim <laughs> the exact thing that he said. Yeah, this kid, this kid. That's why he gave us the one star. Uh, so we just have I have another review here. It just says Debbie Fun. Love the debate. Uh, the guys bring fun to the Debbie pod with a variety of games, scenarios, and keep the pod fresh and new. They have differences in opinion, but do a great job of listening to each other's arguments, but also rip on each other in the process, which is always enjoyable. I think that line right there sums us up pretty good. <laughs> we, I mean, and we do try to do something new every podcast and stay away from like cliche, cliche stuff. So we appreciate that review. All right. Um, Housekeeping number two, three, whatever. The YouTube page. Campus, the number two Canton. Go subscribe. Turn your notifications on. Go do it right now so that you know every time we go live, Wednesdays, 9.30. We're going to be here. It's a, This is a yearly podcast, 9.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. You want to know every time we go live, especially during the summertime when you ain't got nothing else to do. You ain't going to watch baseball, so... Um, 9.30 p.m. right here. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel right now. And then the the Campus 2 Canton podcast feed is going to house all of the shows. Why wait till Sunday? Campus Life, Can- Canton Bound, the Fantasy Roundtable, uh, Debbie Debate, the Sharp Review, whenever. And then the random content that we get. Like we when we interview Mike Friedman or Matt, Kyle Matt Francis. Friedman. Or, Matt Friedman. Matt Friedman. Yeah. Matt, Matt Friedman. See, that would – Yes. Any of that random stuff, it's all of we're still going to have our individual podcast pages, but the hub, if you want to hear everything that Campus to Canton has to offer, it's going to be on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. All right. Uh Austin, let's give away a listener league um entry. Drum roll, please. I don't know if my mic picks that up or not. All yeah. right. So tonight it is Joshua Avery, who, uh, if you guys remember last week, we talked about how we are all individually addressing the quarterback position, uh, specifically in C2C drafts this offseason. And this is Josh's answer. I think it's a very good one. Uh, He says, hello, gents. As a wise man once said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I really should have gone into a Forrest Gump thing for that. but um, And as far as I'm concerned, the same can be said about college quarterbacks. Are they going to be the next Marcus Mariota and have a historic college career only to fall flat in the NFL? Maybe they'll be Matt Barkley, have all the hype in the world, only to have a solid NCAA career and never even sniff the possibility of becoming an NFL franchise QB. Or what if they're like Kyler Murray and seem like a folktale coming out of Texas, but somehow they exceed expectations and become the cornerstone of an NFL franchise. And that only covers the elite recruits. So what can be learned from this? Maybe we shouldn't be so confident in our QB evaluation skills when looking at high school recruits and early college quarterbacks. It takes time to show you're worthy of NFL value. And as we approach the 2021 season, it appears to me that we only have two guys that pass the smell test, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. Does that mean they are guarantees? No. Does it mean that they we should feel more confident in their projections? An emphatic yes. After that, it's betting on limited sample sizes and or recruiting hype, both which uh, both of which feel awfully risky. My strategy going into the C2C season goes like this. Aggressively target those top two quarterbacks, that's Hal and Rattler. Let everyone else take their shots on the QB lottery tickets that require early picks. Uh, for instance, the two stud sophomores, uh, J. Daniel Squared, Matt Corral, Carson Strong. Target NFL quarterbacks in startups or trades, thereby lowering your dependency on your college pipeline. I think that's a big point we didn't talk about last week, and I emphatically agree with that as well. <clears throat> or four, fill my NCAA roster with solid college producers like Dustin Crum, Dylan Gabriel, De'Ara King, Grant Gannell, etc., so that you can compete for an NCAA title without spending top value on risky quarterback assets and instead use those assets on stud playmakers. In 2021, I would much rather build my NFL roster around quarterbacks and have my NCAA roster filled with premium talent at the RB and wide receiver positions. Apologies for the essay. Love your content. and would love, love nothing more to, than to join the illustrious Debbie Debate Listener League. 
So Josh, you are officially in. So congrats to Josh. Looking forward to uh, to to whooping you this year, since you uh, since it seems like we have the same strategy here. I think we need. I think that's that us three and then two, three people. I think three people have made it. So we need yes. um, eight. Eight more. Are we doing we a fourteen team league? Yeah. Eight plus six yeah. does equal fourteen, so that'd be correct. Well, I didn't know if it was. I couldn't remember how many we were doing. All right, get your send your entries to debbydebate at gmail.com. Give us a why you should be in the listener league, and let us know that you listen to the show somehow in your entry. All right. Um, late kick with Josh Pate. The the twenty four seven podcast, I, great. It's a great show uh, that that he does. Um, he has been highlighting impact freshmen on his podcast, and he had this to say about Travion Henderson. He's going to be a superstar as a true freshman. There's no other way to put that. Ohio State has Master Teague. They got Mayan Williams. I don't know how else to put this. It just it's it's just gonna feel different when Travion touches the ball. Austin, I mean. Does he have does Henderson have the ability to be out the gate what Bijan Robinson was for Texas, you know, in the middle of the season through the end of the season last year? Um, so no, I don't think he's gonna do that out of the gate. I mean, I agree with Matt, you know, he's they're gonna bring him along slowly. It wouldn't shock me if at the end of the year he starts getting a heavier amount of touches, especially if he looks clearly better and Ohio State is pushing for some hardware. Um, I think at that point, you know, if, if he's clearly the best back, he's going to start getting significantly more touches. Um, but I just don't think he's quite the level of player that Bijan is coming out of high school. So I don't quite think that like that, that, uh, that high level of play is necessarily in his range of outcomes. Although I will say that he's on a much better team, you know, better line, better quarterback play, probably. Uh, you know, more weapons around him, just just a stronger roster overall, which should help him, I would think. But I, I don't see a a Bijan level season. But that wouldn't, that doesn't. Uh, like I'm I'm accounting for that already in my value of him. Like if he has a average statistical year, that doesn't scare me. Now, if he's averaging like three yards a carry and looks like crap, that scares me. But like you know, just even if he doesn't even hit what Bijan hit last year, that doesn't freak me out at all. Master, I think Master Teague is the worst running back on that out of the top three. Like, I just, I really like Mayan Williams. I, he can do everything that Master Teague can do. Plus, he can run with some agility and elusiveness. He doesn't have top end speed, but he has a little bit of, I don't know. I, I just really like Mayan Williams as a player. And, and Travion Henderson is going to add the speed and he can do whatever he can do out of the backfield. I, I, I I want to see Mayan Williams overtake the starting role and Travion Henderson being being a compliment to Master Teague. I'm going to be interested to see what happens in that backfield. Bruning, that's your team. I mean, oh, do you just think that everything is going to – I mean, all of them are the greatest backs no, that we've ever um, seen? I mean, I agree with Austin. Uh, Henderson coming out of high school is not like Bijan Robinson. He's better. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no. Surprise. The one thing I'll say on Mayan Williams and Master Teague is I don't think we should judge Master Teague on last year. The one thing I think a lot of people overlook is he supposedly injured his uh, Achilles in a serious way back in the summer of last year and somehow managed to make it on the field and play. I think given now a full year to recover, he's going to be better because he was actually decent his freshman year. There were times that he came in for J.K. Dobbins. You're like, okay, like this kid, we know the future of the Ohio State backfield. And then he kind of disappointed last year and they brought in Trey Sermon, which I think they brought Trey Sermon in and all also because of the injury to Master Teague. So I agree with Austin. I think it's going to be Teague. I would not be surprised if Mayan Williams gets some run early on over Henderson. I just think because there's going to be so much, so many new faces on that offense that they're going to try and bring that on a little bit slower because they're not playing those G5 teams at the beginning of the year like they typically do. They're not playing in Akron or a Buffalo, they're starting off with Minnesota on a Thursday night. And then they get Oregon. And then they go to Tulsa, who I still think has a good defense. So it's not those easy teams you can just go beat up, because I think Minnesota's going to be a good team. Oregon's got a good defense. So I think they're going to rely on their veterans, which is going to be Maya Williams and 
Antigua. I do think more toward the later in the season, if they're still undefeated going up against the Maryland's, the Illinois of the world, that may be where you start to see Henderson break out a little bit more because he adds that extra dynamic. I think Teague and Zamir White at Georgia are comparable in that they had like injury plagued seasons were highly touted. And then we saw Zamir White started Zamir White started looking different again at Missouri last year and through the spring game this year. He was a two down plotter early on and then and then he started running with more elusiveness. We haven't seen that yet for Master Teague, so maybe, maybe we'll see that um this season. The one, the one other thing that that Henderson won't get a chance to do is um, like Texas just doesn't have the athletes, like the, the just the absolute overwhelming plethora of athletes at every single position. So people, Bijan was returning kicks to start the season last year at Texas uh, because they didn't have a lot of other guys, and he returned. I remember watching, man, I forget which game it was. It was like maybe the third game of the year where he took a kick off to the house and it got called back for a penalty that like wasn't even near the ball, but like he. He just hit hit a hole and just hit the burners and went. Like we aren't even going to get to see Travion Henderson do that kind of stuff this year, which is unfortunate I, I because they. You think they're going to let him return kicks? Maybe if he's not getting on the field. Otherwise, I don't think it's going to. JSN was doing it for a bit last year. I don't think it's going to be JSN. It's not. Jamison Williams did it too. Obviously, he's not there anymore. So unless you're going to, I mean, neither uh, Harrison Jr. or Emeka have the speed that Henderson has. So I think Henderson could be that guy that goes back there and returns kicks. I don't know that did, for a fact. Just. Do they have any DBs or anything? Or I mean, Ballard's fast. I think Ballard could do it too, but I don't know if they're going to want Ballard. Ballard on the field would or be not. the only other one. Now, let's not talk about the defensive backs because they're not great. All right, so we squeezed a segment into this show sheet, or I squeezed a segment into the show sheet called "Let's Talk About a Player." I want to talk about a player, and unfortunately, I can't talk about the player that I want to. You're going to have to tune in next week because I'm in a draft right now. And this player is still there. And I am not highlighting this player until I have him in at least in one spot. After next week, we'll be fine. I'm going to be true to my takes and to the audience more so than my fantasy teams. But I need to wait until next week uh, for my guy. So um, you guys go ahead and talk about – go ahead and talk right. about your player. I'll go first, but I will answer Colin B189's uh, little uh, issue here in the chat. If you know anybody who has an iPhone, just have them rate the podcast for whatever you want to say. Have them take a picture of it, send it to you. Then you send it to us, and guess what? You get entered for the Javante Williams jersey, not them. And hell, you can get your whole family to do it. And if you send us a bunch of different reviews, guess your what? Your whole family. You're getting a bunch of whole entries in there. So anyways. That that newborn's going to look great in the in the jersey. Javante yeah. Williams, I agree. Cousins, newborns look mother, adorable. <laughs> newborns are adorable in jerseys. All right, so I went a little off the radar here. Uh, you know, one uh, great thing about having the ADP tool that we have uh, at our, our um, I was going to say exposure, at at our whatever. I can't think of the word I want to use now. Uh, but being able to look at that and kind of compare to my rankings and then how players did last year, you're kind of able to find uh, little outliers in the system. So I wanted to talk about Christopher Rodriguez Jr. at uh, Redshirt Jr. running back out of Kentucky, 5'11", 224. Uh, his redshirt freshman season played 13 games, just got 533 yards and six scores on 71 carries. Uh, did, what was it, tied? With his teammate, had 200-yard rushing games. Uh, last year was first-team All-SEC running back per PFF, so take that for what it's worth. Uh, but was fourth-team All-ACC or SEC. He played in nine of the 11 games. He was the leading rusher last year with 785 yards on 119 carries and had a team-high 11 touchdowns, had four 100-yard rushing games last season, and now has six in his career. He is currently the 27th. Uh, highest rushing back for Kentucky. So last year he posted a 37% dominator rating. 60 of his 119 carries in 2020 were for first downs. He did not have a tackle for a loss until the bowl game last year. He had a, um, damn it, I forgot the word I use for this now, a, a no gain slash lost rushing score of 16%, which is the lowest I've seen out of the past four classes that I have done this. Like it's, that the next best was Najee Harris, who was 20% coming out of this past year. So, I mean, he was ridiculous in gaining yards every time he was given the ball. 
what I like about his game, he's a very physical runner. Uh, he has a little bit of elusiveness for his size, which you want to see out of a bigger back. Uh, and he ranked 39th in missed uh, forced tackles last year with 31. He had 17 runs for over 10 yards, which was 62nd in the nation, and 12 runs for 15-plus yards, which was 24th. He does have decent speed, but nothing that's going to blow you away. He has not been asked to do much in the passing game, uh, but when he has, I mean, he's had 100% catch rating. So I, I don't last year, but I think he only got two passes. I'm sure Moxley will correct me on that at the end of the episode here, but I'm pretty sure it was only two, maybe three pass catches that he got. I think all around he's a, a very good back, but he's got no like top-end traits. He falls short of Jarek's magic line, as Felix likes to call it. Uh, for elite production, and every single year he's just kind of right below that line. Uh, but with, and I meant to load the pictures up, so I was going to tease something, but I forgot to. If you look into something that Austin and Felix will know that I'm talking about, uh, a little special thing that's going to be coming to the Camps to Canton website here soon, Mark Stoops' rushing offense is like top of the charts in everything for like the past six years. So I think Christopher Rodriguez is going to have another good year rushing the ball. If he's able to produce, I do think he will end up with an NFL team. I don't think he is a high-end guy. But last year he finished, um, again, in just the nine games as RB30 with 146 points. He finished about, I think it was 18 points behind the top 15 guys and averaged 16.3 points a game. His ADP right now is 165.5. He's the 99th RB off the board in draft. So I think for me, getting a guy who finishes RB 30 last year, it's RB 99. I am all in on Christopher Rodriguez. That's a good name. Um, I've been avoiding him this off season, um, but uh, yeah, as, yeah. as we learned, I mean, he's in the a Discord, two down guy, right? But is he better or worse points, than Benny Snell? The but same. If he's putting probably, but he's putting up points, and that's all I care mm -hmm. about. And if he gets drafted, that's my whole point. If, I mean, Benny Snell again. I don't think Benny Snell, but if he gets drafted by an NFL team, and it looks like he's going to have something, you can flip that for something later. That's my only point. That's why I want to talk about him. You're getting him as the 99th RB off the board. I'll take yeah, that. Feels like Austin is holding something back. I mean, no. Okay. No. I'll just say no. I, you know, take him as the RB 70th off the he, board. Take him Austin a couple rounds earlier. Like, that's, to go. that's a very that's a very interesting take. That's that's uh that's you know, got look, awesome. I'm not PFF, and I'm going to go talk about all the five stars and the top guys in the class every year. I, I like to stretch it out a little bit, go a little bit deeper. I apologize. J JSN and Tony Grimes is breakout guys this year. Man, don't say it no, ain't no. so. No, yeah, I, I like Rodriguez. No, 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 he's not Boutte. I don't even know who yeah. that is, but he's going to break out this year. So I'm told. If, if I look at like my, cause uh, it's really hard to rank some of these things. Like I, I have like after the top guys, there's like a pool of guys that I, I like their caught, like their college rushing upside potential. And you could like take any one of them and I wouldn't really like argue with you about it. He's not my favorite of the group, but he's not my least favorite either. Um, so uh, there is that. So I chose Marcus Roseme tonight and i don't quite have as many as many stats and things as you do i'm just confused as to where in the whole shuffle of pickens is probably out for the year who is his replacement nobody's really mentioning marcus rosemey is the guy that can take over for him and it just i, I i'm not exactly sure why um you know he was coming into his own last year before he got that nasty ankle injury which um, you know, it, it's like kind of what Dak had, like very similar injury. But I mean, Dak seems to be fine. Nobody seems to really have an issue with him. Um, I don't. I'm not scared away by that injury. Um, you know, he's he's a bigger guy. In 24/7, he was listed at six two. Georgia has him at six four. Um, but either way, I think he's like that big bodied contested so he's catch. Like five, nine. Yes, he's five nine. Well, he's, he doesn't go to Purdue, so we don't have to knock six inches off his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he just kind of fits, fits that Pickens, that Pickens roll perfectly. And if you look at the ADPs of, of the Georgia wide receivers that we have right now, you have Pickens, who's still going pretty early. He's wide receiver 17. Uh, Eric Gilbert, wide receiver, going at 27 overall. Uh, Jermaine Burton, wide or, uh, 30 overall. Adonai Mitchell, 173. Arian Smith, 213. You have to go the whole way down to 260 overall to get Marcus Roseman. And, I mean, I I don't think Arian Smith is the fill-in for George Pickens. I think him and Burton are similar, where, you know, field stretchers. But I think Burton is more of an alpha profile than, than Smith even is. He's a little more niche. And Adonai Mitchell, who had the nice spring, but I don't think he's 
ready yet. I think he's like the next guy up. Adonai Mitchell did not have a nice spring game. Yeah, I, I, I hate people. Like, if you watch that game, he was getting targeted a bunch and getting beat up by that, those corners and press covers. He just won a few of those, but he he lost Fantasy a lot of those matchups too. I'm you. sorry. Well, I, to be I'm fair, like, to be fair, Georgia possibly also has the best DB combo in the country. I don't know if he was going up against the ones or not, but. Um, he's also very like rail thin so he is he is that's why i said he's a year away rosemey's not rosemey's rosemey's ready now i think he is the guy that ends up filling that role so does seth emerson who's the guy that covers georgia over at the athletic uh he argued that rosemey is the player on the roster that most resembles george pickens um and so i think that even you know uh, Georgia's offenses over the past uh, several years don't have a reputation of being super pass heavy, but I still think there's enough um, volume going to be there, especially with JT Daniels there this year, that Rosemey can do something. And I think he's a better va- – like I'd rather have him over Mitchell and Smith, and he's going 90 picks later than Mitchell and 40 picks later than Smith. That just doesn't seem right to me. Go get Marcus Rosemey. All right. Um Elite 11. Elite 11. The the finals is is set and I mean we're trying to give everyone tomorrow's newspaper today. So these are names that you're going to hear potentially in December or early January when they enroll with their um college teams, seniors in high school now. We've all heard the name Quinn Ewers and he's going to Ohio State. This prospect who's, you know, the next Trevor Lawrence uh, Andrew Luck caliber prospect, quarterback prospect. But Austin, you I mean, you've really been diving deep into the 2022 class. Who should we care about other than than you than yours? Oh man, there's so many names. I think um like especially and I know so I'm gonna I'll preface this a little bit saying, you know, I when I'm saying that this class, this 2025, you know, the 2022 freshman class freshman class as they're coming out of high school looks significantly better than this year's class. Um, I, I don't have any problem saying that not only uh, like uh, the big thing is the money positions. If we, if we consider the quarterback and the running back for fantasy purposes, the money positions, it's what made last year's class so good with all those top running backs that came out and we got Joe Burrow who looked really good and people are starting to come back around on Tua like we, and, and Herbert, obviously like the, the money positions are what drive draft classes. And next year's class is loaded at quarterback, even beyond yours, and it's loaded at running back. We're not talking about the running backs tonight, although we talked a little bit about Jaden Blue a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think, you know, I look at my top guys this year were Tyler Buchner, Tyler Butchner, Buchner, I'm never going to figure out how to say that, and Sam Heward. They would be like my QBs five and six next year. Like it is just a, a better class in basically every facet outside of viewers just some guys that i want to highlight that are going to be there did you just read all the names off felix or i didn't i didn't not catch you do that okay i didn't read them no i didn't i read think them. he's just wanting you to talk about which just don't take my okay. guy you can talk about okay. i won't small. take your guy i i have had the i i've been lucky enough to actually just how i've managed to disperse my my watching i've watched most of these guys already um so i highlight a couple guys here that i really really like connor weigman who's going to texas a&m next year um I think he – I like him more than I like Haynes King coming out of high school. Um, he's a very, very smart, high level of awareness. Um, he has a very nice arm. He drives the ball very well, especially on kind of those those big boy throws, you know, the ones that have to go to the sideline kind of on a rope. Um, solid runner, for you know, modern type for the position. Uh, very quick release. Uh, keeps eyes downfield when he's playing. Good throwing motion. He's just kind of what you want at the modern quarterback position. Um, the other, the, I, I have two other guys here that I really like. Nick Evers is my early crush here. He's my quarterback five. Great ball placement. Great, great ball placement. Not afraid to push the ball down the field. Can work through tight coverage, but not in a bad way. Um, just understands the nuances of when do I put zip on this ball? When do I put touch on the ball? You know, when all, all of those kinds of things, I think he does very, very well. Um, and then Drew Aller, who I did not think that I would like, but the 24-7 comp on him is Josh Allen, and it's it's uncanny. It's uncanny. If you watch this kid, he's, he's committed to Penn State for right now. He has that loose, easy throwing motion. You know, He's just like – 
just it, it's kind of you know like how Brett Favre was the kid out there just throw you know just throwing the ball and was loosey goosey and didn't care at all about what was going on. That's kind of how this kid plays um, right now. A really strong off platform passer can vary his arm angles. Um, he's kind of an arrogant arm kind of guy, but in a good way. Like he knows what he can do and what he can't do. Um, so I really really like those three. They're all in my tier two, along with uh, one or two other guys, um, Curry Brown. The last player that that 24-7 comped to Josh Allen was Mason Garcia. And boy, oh boy, was that a bad debut for Mason Garcia against Navy last year when uh, when Ehlers was out. But yeah, that was that was not promising. To be fair, Mason Garcia is at ECU, so that kind of, t- you know, I don't think teams necessarily thought of him sure. what they think of, of Drew Aller. The one guy, so I just wanted to say, because I, I I dropped this in the, the Discord last night, and, and I was told that it was a spicy take. Cade Klubnik, or Klubnik, kid out of Texas who's committed to Clemson. He's the number six quarterback, I believe, in the composite. He's bad. Like, I was watching this kid last night, and I was like, how does A, Clemson want this kid, and B, how is he rated so highly? He's tiny. He's 6'2", 185, so he, he's a skinny, skinny kid. He's got nice pocket presence, and he's fairly mobile, and that's, like, literally the only two nice things I had to say about him. He is basically – you guys have heard me, in my opinion, on Keaton Slovis. He's Keaton Slovis, but less of a statue. Like, I, he underthrows everything, literally everything. Every throw that he throws, his ball placement, he's got guys going across the middle. They're reaching back here for stuff. He, uh, he, I he love does, hot take Austin. He does I mean, nothing. Hot well. take Austin does not, does not appear uh, often yeah, on this show. So r- rarely makes his appearances on here. So yes. So, so he is not the successor to DJU in my opinion. All right. So I, let, I don't know who that is yet. For the record, Cade Klubnik going to Clemson, according to Austin Nace, trash. <laughs> I have watched yeah. I have watched let me let me just pull up to make sure I'm accurate here. So far I've watched 14 quarterbacks in the class. He is number 14. He is my lowest rated <laughs> kid keeps, in the class. Every time he watches another guy he's like nope nope goes below him. Yep nope goes below him. Uh I, I will have, he's say tier 5, tier 5. That's not a good tier for me. That I I have not gotten to me. I have not gotten a chance to dive this deep in. What what are you at now? Like 40 something right? And that what you said the other day? I'm over Altogether. 50. I've, I've watched about 70 and I have like 55 evaluations I've given. Like the, the other 15 were guys like I don't care about. Like I, I'm not interested in them. I have 55 guys I've watched that I'm interested in. Okay. So I've I've only done like not even half of that. I think I've got altogether 22 right now done. I've done mostly quarterbacks and running backs. I will say if you guys want to hear these discussions or see them, Join the site. Jump in the Discord. Me and Austin were comparing notes today about the next like best running back in Gavin Sawchuk. How much is the site? How much Austin is it? disagrees with that. Uh, two ninety nine, and everybody else in there. I mean, PJ was in there talking about. It. I can't remember who was it. Was it Jim was talking about what he thought? We had Colin in there too. Like it's fun to go back and forth with these guys and what they think of these guys as well. Cause it, it's interesting to get as many opinions as we can. I just wanted to talk about, I think it's Kate and Hauser is how you say his name. And I know Austin is not as big on him as I am, but only played in six games last year. Cause he's actually splitting time at quarterback this year. He'll be the full starter for his high school. Um, seems pretty committed to Boise state. Although after apparently his performance in the elite 11, he's kind of jumped up on a lot of other schools radars. I think, He's going to be a guy that shoots up these the composite rankings and everything is going to be much higher than he is right now. I don't remember. I don't have it saved on here, but I want to say he's like 16 or something like that. Uh, yeah, he's the Bosco kid. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Oh, shoot. I just closed out of my notes. What did I put on here? So, damn it. Wrong page. Uh, he's athletic. He's, he's 27th overall, by the way, in the composite. 27th? He's okay, low. so it's even yeah. lower than I thought. Okay, so I think he's got a very good athleticism. He's not the best rusher. He's not up there with – who's who's the one that – because I still haven't had a chance to watch him yet, Austin, but you were telling me about him the other day. Is it Wimsat, right? Wimsat's the best rusher in the okay. class, in my opinion. He's, he's not anywhere near that, but I do think he's above the average guys that I've watched right now. Like, he's nowhere near a statue, but he's not going to be considered in that top elite guys with the, with the rushing ability. But he does have athleticism. There's a couple good plays that he's got where he goes good 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. Got a little bit of wiggle, but not much in his game. His ball placement, though, I think is incredible. Some of the throws that he makes – and puts it perfect back shoulder where only his wide receiver can get most of his deep balls, which I will say his deep ball accuracy is really good as well. 
is is leading his receivers very I think there was like two throws I watched where his receiver had to kind of come back for it or was a little bit behind him outside of that it was great he can throw off platform throw from different arm angles I think he's got great pocket awareness the one thing I will say and I think this is what me and Austin were talking about the other day he doesn't have like that cannon like he doesn't have that zip on his ball he's not going to if it's that tight window throw, I don't think he's going to get it in there. So I do think that's may limit him a little bit as we move forward. But I think overall, everything else, I really like what this kid's done. I watched a little bit of the Elite 11 stuff before we jumped on today, and he looked really good in that the other day. He made the Elite 11 finals. And like I said, I think he's going to be a guy that we will all be talking about in December because right now I don't think anybody's talking about him. All right, enough with the high school seniors. Let us know um, if you already have a player that you like other than Quint Ewers at Debbie Debate on Twitter at Debbie Debate on, at Gmail. Whew, excuse me. Um, let's move to the game. So we've put together a series of these predictive statements. Not we. And you. you. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the royal we. What I mean is the the we as in the is in. His Majesty the King has put together a series of predictive statements, and Matt and Austin have, have to choose one of them as more likely to occur. So there's a mix of NFL and college stuff in here, and I'll give a point to whoever has the best argument. Here's the first one. Julio Jones has 1,000 yards receiving in either of the next two seasons or Rashad Bateman has 1,000 yards receiving in either of the next two seasons. Austin, why don't you take that one first? Uh, I think they both do it. So it's really hard to say for sure um, which which I think is more likely. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give the very small edge to Julio just because, again, Bateman's first two seasons in the league. So, you know, we don't know if he'll take any time to acclimate. And it's a not a super high-volume offense uh, for Bateman. So those are the only two things that give me a hang-up on him. But I think um, both are going to happen with almost almost 100% certainty. I really do. It's it's not Bateman ever has a 1,000-yard season, right? It's the next No, either years. first two, yeah. I, I think it's easily Julio. I, I don't – I would not lean Bateman. I love Bateman. I was actually the highest on Bateman out of the three of us, but I agree with Austin – Bateman, I don't think is going to be that downfield threat for Lamar, nor do I think he's that good passing the ball downfield. He's going to be that short area guy for Lamar. So I think he'll get a lot of receptions, maybe some touchdowns. I don't think the yards add up there the next two seasons. So for me, it's easily Julio. I think he does it this year. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to steal Austin's hot take that Julio Jones is a wide receiver one this year with A.J. Brown. You thief. Lamar, Lamar Jackson has never supported a 1,000-yard receiver, even going back to his time at uh, Louisville. Um, all right, I'm going to give that point to Austin. All right, here we go. Um, number two, Jim Harbaugh is Michigan's head coach after this season, going back to the Ravens here, or Lamar Jackson passes for 3,500 yards in 2021. Bruning, why don't you take that one first? Oh, God, I got I mean, I'm just going to go with Lamar Jackson because Harbaugh's horrible. So I don't even know how close Lamar Jackson's come to passing for 3,500 yards. But I, I do think Harbaugh goes out and has a good year this year, but he's not going to beat the Ohio State University. I think that's what they want. And if he loses to Michigan State or – I don't even know. If he loses to some other team, I do think that he's just going to move on. There was all the rumors he was going to be getting an NFL job this year. I think he just moves on, so I'm going to go with Lamar. Uh, no other reason than Mark Andrews has a record-breaking year at tight end. Rashad Bateman steps up. Marquise Hollywood Brown finally puts it all together and becomes that deep threat they always wanted him to be. And Lamar Jackson throws for 3,505 yards. <laughs> He barely gets there, huh? Last pass of the yeah, last pass of the year. Last you know? pass of the, the season. He got the crowd over, goes wild. That matters. Um, so I will also say Lamar, but I think this answer is almost cheating because I think there's going to be a slight uptick in volume there. There's an extra game, and he threw for three thousand one hundred twenty-seven yards two years ago in that big season he had. I, so you know, if you add another two hundred fifty-yard game or whatever the address, uh, you know, it, that gets close with a slight uptick in volume. I think that happens this year. So. 
The the Lamar's biggest strength is running the football, and the Ravens have invested a lot in this passing game over the last two years. Marquise Brown, Tylen Wallace this year, Rashad Bateman. I just have always thought that um they should what made that team good is the running game and Marshall Yonda and being able to run in multiple formations. So um all right, I'm gonna give that point to Austin because Bruning just trashed uh Michigan's head coach to start his argument. So point to Austin. All right, two two zero Austin. Um number three, Mookie Cooper at Missouri, the wide receiver has a thousand all purpose yards or G. Scott, who recently switched position because he couldn't crack the depth chart at wide receiver and he's too stubborn to transfer to a school that actually values his skill set as a wide receiver, he catches 10 passes in 2021. Austin, let's throw that one to you first. Uh, I This is like with the first one where I said I think both are almost a certainty to happen. I actually think on this one, both are almost a certainty not to happen. Um. So, cause I don't. So I think I don't know if Connor Basilak can support a thousand-yard player. I don't think he's very good, even if they're giving him, you know, sweeps and stuff. Like I think he's their leading uh, yardage guy, probably, you know, all around. But I don't know if he hits a thousand. It's going to be close. Um, I'll give it to Cooper barely. Um, I don't know that Scott. They can't just to confirm, Austin. You said both are not going to happen. So, five star wide receiver G Scott is not going to catch even 10 passes in his second season at Ohio State. Is that what you're saying? I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't catch 10 passes in his career there, to be completely honest. They don't use the tight end, they don't use the tight end, they don't use the tight end. So, yeah, yeah, maybe we should put the over over under uh two catches next year, uh, for for G Scott Austin. (laughs) Under, under, under. That that feels weird to say, but under. Over under two catches for uh, G Scott, your boy G Scott. There, uh, Matt Brody. Over. It's an easy over. I don't have to worry about it. It's gonna be fun to clip these videos next year. It's, it's you know what's funny is where do I have to put that line for you to get nervous? <laughs> like if I put it at four, you be like, oh man, nah. I think he's gonna be the starting tight end next year. What are they gonna have? Probably Harrison and Mecca will be starting with no, this year. This year, this year. Where do I have to put that line to you? If I went to oh, I don't think he's even gonna go start at tight end. I don't think he's gonna start at tight end this year. It's gonna That's be all not my question. My question I, is, I would is say under on anything. You could put it at one, and I'm gonna go under. I don't think he starts at tight end this year. I, I, if he's not starting, I don't think he's going to get any catches. I don't think Kyle McCord is going to be passing to the backup tight end at times. He's going to be passing to his wide receivers. All right, what? What? Which of the two? You know what? It doesn't even matter. Point goes to Austin. Let's move on to to the next one. All right, number four. It's Emory Cooper, Jones easily. He's going to go over it. Emory Jones is a top fifteen NFL pick. Or Ramondre Stevenson finishes this upcoming coming NFL season as a fantasy RB2. Bruning, go ahead. This is so bad. It's 3-0, neither, by the way. Or neither one is going Austin. to happen. So, I'll, I mean, you're just going to keep giving points to Austin, so I'm just going to recuse myself here. There's no. no I'm objectively one, evaluating the arguments. And neither I'm one is going to happen. Just, Ramondre Stevenson is not going to be an RB2, and there is no shot in hell. I will – let someone punch me in the nuts live on stream if Emory Jones is a top 15 pick in the in the first round of the NFL. I you keep raising the stakes it. of these bets. Live stream it I mean, next year on our I'm, draft show. I'm flying someone. to Texas, baby. I'll buy it. I'll let you do it at the Expo Matt. next year. Expo 2022. Austin's going to punch Matt in the nuts live on stage when Emory Jones goes 13th overall to probably the Texans because they're idiots. But – I don't know. There's, I mean, I guess I have to go Ramondre, but I don't see either one happening. I don't think Ramondre does anything this year. I think he's more of a next year guy when Sony Michelle is gone. What you got, Austin? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think of something hilarious, but also not getting punched in the nuts for what I would do if either of these things happen. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of anything that I was willing to risk. Uh, but no, I, I don't think either of these things happen. Um, there would have to be some catastrophic failure on the part of a lot of other quarterbacks for him to go. Top you have to him. pick one. You have to pick one. What is more likely to happen out of the two? Jones is more likely to happen of the two, but it's like half a percent chance versus a zero percent chance. 
just go for it. That so, way, you, I get punched in the nuts next year. I mean, I mean Pro Football Focus put them number six overall to the Eagles. All right, let's go to the last one. The Who last are you giving the point is, to? Who, who are you giving the point? Um, I'm going to give that one to Austin. All right, here we go. Uh, what's the score? What's the score? I believe that's four zero. I think it, I think it's two two. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, hey, Bruning, if you get this one right, if you if you get the point in this one, we'll just say that you've that you've won the game. All right. Imagine that's um, not going to happen. But go ahead. Oh well, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, try your luck. All right. Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, finishes any season for the remainder of his career as a fantasy uh, wide receiver one. Or in Austin, I'm going to give this to you. Or I'm going to give this to you first, Austin. I'll give you from now until the history till until the end of time. I'll give you from now until the end of time. I'll give you alternate dimensions. In all of that time, in all of those alternate universes, does Kyle McCord start a single game at Ohio State University every, ever, ever in the history of time? I feel so bad giving this answer because I, I mean, I like Kyle McCord. We did the interview with him. He's a good kid. We, I like his dad. Um, I just, that's, it's such, it's, it, that, and this is what I've been saying all along. Kyle McCord is my third rated quarterback in this class. I love Kyle McCord. I just think that situation is set up for him to fail there. I think he can write a ticket to 110 other teams in 2022 that he can go and start at right away. But I just don't think he ever starts at Ohio State. I mean, I guess the only scenario I see is if CJ Stroud gets hurt at some point this year, because I think regardless, if Stroud takes that job, he's not coughing it up, and McCord is going to go have to go elsewhere unless he wants to sit for a long time. So I'm going to say that Odell Beckham is more likely if Stroud never gets injured. You can't put qualifiers on it. It's either or. Is well, either I'll take Ode- Odell or? Beckham, but I okay. just don't see McCord okay. starting Thanks. unless Stroud gets hurt this year. Uh, it's McCord. He's going to be the starter. I've said it. It's in the intro there. And again, I will even lean on the side if you really want to throw the qualifier in there. If Stroud does win it and either plays poorly or gets hurt, McCord's going to start. I love Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think he's going to do that anytime soon. I just I don't think it with that offense. So I'm going to go McCord pretty easily. Someone said in the Discord, and I think it was Colin14. I don't know uh, what Colin's last name. That's not Colin. That's not our Colin. Colin with two no. L's. Yeah. Oh, okay. He said, I believe he said that Kyle McCord is Ohio State's Justin Fields, comparing uh, Kyle McCord to Justin Fields at Georgia. And I really like that that comparison. Um, I want to see that kid start. All right, Chris Moxley, get in here. Get in here. What did we get wrong? Uh, tonight was not your best night collectively. Um, there were a lot of stats thrown around, so we're propensity for errors. But I'll uh, I'll run through it real quick. Bruning, you said that it was a big win for Tennessee. Uh, Vegas shifted their number of wins from nine to nine and a half, and their Super Bowl wads went to thirteenth from sixteenth. So not a huge win. Wow, um, that's surprising. Felix said he's not worried about it, but elite wide receivers like Julio on average score five fewer points after changing teams. Moss and Rice were collectively 14 and uh, 20 years ago. Brandon Marshall's really what nine doesn't count on him his situation. Um, Austin, <clears throat> Austin, the name you're thinking of is Laurent Duvernay Tardif for the Kansas City offensive lineman. Um, Felix said he's happy with Matt Ryan, even without Julio. I think that was kind of the consensus. Actually, over the 150 games that they've played. Um, the 33 games with Al Julio, his QBR is 20 points lower. He passes for last year. He passed for 50 fewer yards without Julio over the course of his career. He passes for 33 fewer yards, half an interception more per game and 3.2 fans, fewer fantasy points per game, which is close to drew lock territory in 2020. Um, and Matt, you were right. Chris Rodriguez has two total career catches and Felix said Lamar didn't support a 1000 yard wide receiver ever. That's kind of cheating. Jalen Smith had 980 yards in t- only 10 games in his last Lamar's last year. Technically true. It's like Devontae Adams had one 1,000 yard season. Kind Get out of here. Get out of here. I don't know who uh, who asked this guy anyway. Get I'm I'm sitting here thinking I'm muting Chris and I'm muting myself. <laughs> 
Uh, check out all the content around the Campus to Canton family. You can find this podcast moving forward on the Campus to Canton channel, along with Canton Bound, Campus Life, Fantasy Roundtable, and Why Wait Till Sunday. But that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Curve Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning and Austin Nace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.